Here's everything you might have missed in Andor Episode 4. Welcome back, Cassian Fandors, to our weekly breakdown of Andor. This week, the Rogue One prequel series gave us a healthy dose of political intrigue and pockets. Pockets. Pockets of fomenting. Pockets. As well as plenty of Easter eggs and details that you might have missed. Where is my Starpath unit? We're gonna break it all down for you in just a moment, but to do so, we have to spoil what happens in Andor Episode 4. So, if you haven't seen it yet and you're worried about that sort of thing, leave now before you get caught sleeping on the job. Everyone's dead. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? Episode 4 picks up immediately in the aftermath of Cassian and Luthen's dramatic escape from Ferrix. They chart a course for Aldani, a brand new location where the nascent Rebel Alliance is conducting a deep cover mission to steal the Imperial payroll for an entire sector. This is going to be quite the haul, because Aldani serves as a distribution hub for the Empire to ship their goods and troops across the galaxy. We learn that Luthen's ship is a Fondor Hallcraft outfitted with hyperdrives capable of faster-than-light travel. According to the Star Wars databank, Fondor is a critical Imperial naval complex, and the shipyards orbiting the Purple Planet are used for capital ship repairs, manufacturing, and Imperial R&D of classified technologies. So it makes sense why Luthen might have access to an FTL-ready ship run by a hacked droid from the Empire's secret R&D world. Something I can help you with? Cassian is curious who Luthen's really working for, and he rattles off a bunch of different potential groups. Alliance, Sep, Guerrilla, Partisan Front. Now, Sep is short for Separatists, the confederacy of independent systems who fought the Galactic Republic back during the Clone Wars. We saw a Separatist ship crash land on Canario when Cassian was a kid, and that turned his life upside down. As for the guerrillas in the Partisan Front, they are most likely referring to Saw Gerrera and his commandos on Onderon, the extremist allies of the Rebellion who meet a bitter end in Rogue One, along with, like, everybody else. Cassian reveals that he fought on Mimbon for two years at age 16, coming straight out of prison. Mimbon is a swampy, rainy world that nearly appeared in A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Rogue One, and it served as the initial inspiration for Dagobah. It first made its way into Star Wars lore in 1978's Splinter of the Mind's Eye novel, before truly coming to life in Solo, A Star Wars Story. During the early days of the Clone Wars, Mimbon was invaded by the Separatists. The Republic backed the Mimbanese Liberation Army to push them back, promising their freedom afterwards. Years later, another conflict played out between the Empire and the Mimbanese Liberation Army, which happened approximately five years before the events of Andor. That conflict is likely the same one that Cassian fought in, and it's also where Han Solo deserted the Empire and met Chewie for the first time in Solo, A Star Wars Story. On Coruscant, we visit the HQ of the Imperial Security Bureau. These white-clad intelligence officers are basically the Empire's version of the secret police. The most important new character we meet here is Dedra Miro, an ambitious ISB officer poised to be a major thorn in our hero's sides. In their meeting, Supervisor Grandy mentions the Ryloth Sector, a system in the Outer Rim that contains the homeworld of the Twi'leks, and this is likely being monitored because of the Free Ryloth Movement. This group attempted to assassinate the Emperor and Darth Vader previously, and would later find themselves up against Grand Admiral Thrawn during Star Wars Rebels. Legret reports on the situation on Arvala 6, and that sounds like it's in the same system as Arvala 7, the planet where Din Djarin first met the wee baby Grogu on The Mandalorian. Another member, named Young, mentions Scarif, the planet where some of the Empire's most top-secret projects were being undertaken, including the Death Star Super Laser, as we see in Rogue One. When Cassian is sent undercover with the Rebels on Aldani, he adopts the name Clem after Marva's old partner. Now, presumably, Clem was effectively Cassian's father figure, and likely the person that Luthen mentions was hanged back on Ferrix. 
Luthen gives Cassian his necklace, which is a blue kyber crystal, the force-attuned crystals that power lightsabers and the Death Star super laser. He refers to it as a Kuwati signet, a sky stone, and references the uprising against the Rakatan invaders. And this is some seriously deep-cut Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic lore. This is likely referencing the Rakatan Infinite Empire, an ancient galaxy-spanning empire of warlike amphibious aliens that used highly advanced technology to conquer much of the known universe thousands of years before the Skywalker Saga. The Rakatan Infinite Empire originated in 2003's Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic game, and their lore was expanded on in the Dawn of the Jedi Force Storm comics. And like most things, they were eventually torn apart by Civil War. After evading TIE fighters and schlepping through the night under the twin moons of Aldani, Vel leads Cassian to the rebel camp. One of them, Skeen, scares the certified sleepy boy Namek by invoking Saw Gerrera, mentioning that sleeping on the job on their watch would get this kid's head put on a pike. He's being a real bear about it, though, if you ask me. <laughs> The other members of the crew are Terramin and Sinta, but apart from Nemec, none of them are particularly welcoming to Clem. Meanwhile, at the ISB headquarters, Dedra's looking for ways to take control of the Ferric situation herself, because that stolen Starpath unit is from a naval base under her jurisdiction. If you look at the data pad she's holding, they did indeed misspell Ferrix in Orbesh, which is just killer attention to detail. Well, either that or I'm just very bad at translating Orbesh. They've misspelled Ferrix. While this is happening, Luthen makes his way back to Coruscant as well. He has a whole elaborate disguise for his cover identity as the operator of an art gallery that caters to wealthy clientele. It's honestly the perfect cover. He can easily launder money, he can travel off-world to investigate rare pieces, and he can hobnob with power players without anyone being the wiser. Having been summarily fired from his dream job of being a cop and getting Morlana One permanently put under the Imperial yoke, Cyril Karn makes the long, depressing trip back home to Coruscant. At the starport, we hear a loudspeaker mention Telgordo Travel. That was a corporation that runs passenger liners that first appeared in Going My Way, a 1991 adventure included in the Game Master Kit for the Star Wars role-playing game. They are servicing Hosnian Prime, which became the headquarters of the New Republic following the Battle of Endor. It was also destroyed by Starkiller Base during the climactic events of The Force Awakens. Another planet mentioned is Plexus, a small world home to spice gangs that was first mentioned in the mobile game Star Wars Uprising. And the last planet is Euphornis Major, which first appeared in the 2015 novel Servants of the Empire Rebel in the Ranks. While Cyril acts high and mighty on Ferrix, he comes from the lower levels of Coruscant. The upper levels of the galactic capital are full of lavish bureaucratic buildings and cosmopolitan offerings, but the lower you go on Coruscant, the seedier that things get. So perhaps this gives context to why Cyril's so fixated on law and order as his only pathway in life. Mother. Finally, Mon Mothma arrives at Luthen's gallery, where he and his partner Clea size up her new driver, who may or may not be a spy. Now, for those who don't remember, Mon Mothma represents Chandrilla in the Galactic Senate, which would be the birthplace of Ben Solo years later. Mon Mothma is a savvy political operator who goes on to become the leader of the Alliance to Restore the Republic, the group that we know best as the Rebel Alliance. There are quite a few items of interest in this gallery as well. There's a suit of armor that resembles the Sith Stalker armor from the Star Wars The Force Unleashed games worn by Galen Marek, aka Starkiller. Players could wear this armor after beating the game and choosing the Dark Dark side ending. And speaking of armor, there's also what appears to be a suit of Mandalorian armor on display as well. When we see the reverse angle, you can spot what appears to be the breathing mask worn by the Jedi Master Plo Koon. 
Known as an anti-ox mask, this helped species like the Keldor survive in oxygen-rich atmospheres where they could not. As for that Utapauan cudgel, it's from the sinkhole-filled planet where General Grievous had his infamous encounter with Obi-Wan during Revenge of the Sith. Hello there. The stone tablet on display featuring the closed fist, open palm, and raised hand is the keystone from Star Wars Rebels that Ezra uses to access the World Between Worlds, a mystical realm outside of time and space. These symbols represent the father, the daughter, and the son, the godlike embodiments of the dark and light side of the Force that lived on Mortis that we saw in Star Wars The Clone Wars. In the back room of Luthen's gallery, you can spot Jedi and Sith holocrons on the shelf over his shoulder. These devices are artifacts containing information and teachings from the Jedi Order and the Sith, respectively. Honestly, this guy has so many rare artifacts connected to the Force, it makes me wonder, is he Force-sensitive himself or just a collector of rare antiquities? And speaking of rare antiquities, Luthen has several items encased in carbonite, including what looks an awful lot like Indiana Jones's whip. And while it may belong in a museum, this art gallery is the next best thing. Moving on, Mon Mothma mentions that she found someone who she thinks can help their cause. And while she doesn't name names here, it's most likely Bail Organa. Bail, who we most recently saw in Obi-Wan Kenobi, was her biggest ally in the Senate, someone with whom she helped foment pockets. Pockets. Pockets of rebellion across the Empire. Pockets. Back on Aldani, we meet the Rebels' contact inside the garrison, Lieutenant Gorn. While the Gorn are an alien race from Star Trek, they bear a much bigger visual similarity to Bosk than this guy. As for the plan itself, with its trench run and the one-in-a-million chance of working, it's a quintessentially Star Wars brand suicide mission. It also has shades of Back to the Future when Nemec mentions the model isn't to scale. Obviously it's not to scale. Please excuse the crudity of this model. I didn't have time to build it to scale or to paint it. It's good. Oh, thank you, thank you. Mon Mothma's husband, Perrin, is prepping to have the governor of Hana over for dinner. Hana is the capital city of Chandrilla, so clearly he's an important constituent. Other guests include Ars Danger and Sly Moore. Ars Danger was a bureaucrat and member of Palpatine's Imperial Ruling Council, first introduced in the 2014 novel Tarkin. As for Sly Moore, she started as Palpatine's aide seen by his side during Attack of the Clones. Mon Mothma then mentions Gorman, whose shipping lanes were just cut off by Perrin's guests. In a few years' time, it will be the site of the Gorman Massacre, an event where Imperial troops gun down peaceful protesters. And this becomes the inciting event that causes Mon Mothma to publicly denounce Emperor Palpatine, precipitating her going on the run as a true rebel. Last but not least, Maester Kyburn, I mean Partanaz, compliments Dedra's work on Sevtok. This midrim world was ravaged by earthquakes and first appeared in the 1996 Star Wars role-playing game supplement, Adventure Journal 9. Anyway, folks, there you have it. That's everything we spotted in the latest episode of Andor. We'll have plenty of other deep dives into the galaxy far, far away for you over on Nerdist, but for now, tell us, what did you think of the latest episode? Did you spot anything that we missed? Seriously? Let us know in the comments below, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, make sure you stay tuned to Nerdist.com.